Hey, Adam Smolcom here, lead pastor of Vive Church. Welcome to our podcast. I pray that God will speak to you through the message today and that a greater level of faith would be unlocked in your life. God bless. There is a spirit of expectation here. God is here today. And um, man, I am so excited to be here and to deliver this word. Are you guys ready for the word of God? Well, um, if it's your first time here, I am not Pastor Adam. <laughs> I'm not Pastor Adam. That's not me. Um, I'm a few pigments darker. Um, I'm also not the Asian Pastor Adam. That's Pastor Vance. Uh, my, 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 my name is Ben, um, and me and my wife have the privilege and honor of being the youth pastors here at Five. Yep, yep, yep. That's us. And if you do not know who Vox Chen is, is we are bold, we are fun, we are unapologetic, and we are missional, and this generation is changing things for generations to come. And before going into the word, I, I just have a quick shameless plug. Can I just do that real quick? We got Oasis Camp in about 10 days. June 23rd to 25th, and if you are a parent in this room that has a child from 6th grade to 12th grade, and they are not registered for camp, what are you doing? What are you doing? And the reason why I unapologetically say this is because it's going to be a room full of 200 youth earnestly seeking after the presence of God. And if I've learned anything from Psalms from the summer, David says this, the one thing I ask, the one thing I seek is to dwell in the presence of God all the days of my life. And that's what we're gonna be doing. And if your child does not wanna go, blame me, just say, it's PB's fault. He told me to do it. So I just had to register you. And then, you know, we can partner together and we'll fight it together. Cool? Well, uh, with that, first I wanted to introduce you to my family really quick. Um, this is... Me and my wife. That's my boo, my best friend. And uh, we got married in March 2020, literally right before the pandemic. And so we went to Hawaii, came back, and got to spend 24-7 together. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Yeah, it was, it was great. It was great. It was great. And uh, the second picture right here is actually the first moment... I've actually ever met my wife. It was in LA, she liked someone else, I liked someone else, it was weird. Uh, but we have this picture, and the reason why I shared this is because I wanted to encourage our single folk real quick. It is possible to go from the friend zone to the end zone. <laughs> Can I get an amen? It is possible. But some practical advice for all the single men out there, get in the friend zone first before you start even thinking about the end zone, all right? Yeah, but um, that's, that's us. We are happily married. We have two girls, uh, Nellie and Harley. They're dogs. Yep, no kids yet, praise the Lord. We have about 120 of them, and so, <laughs> so we're blessed. Um, I'm so excited to deliver the word today, and I really believe that God has uh, sent me on assignment to... Uh, really just preach what it looks like to worship and engage with God. But um, I promise I'm gonna get into the word, I promise. But I think it would be remissible of me if I did not honor this platform first. And I consider it the greatest honor to share this platform among giants and to be under the leadership of our senior pastors, Pastor Adam and Pastor Kira. 
And if I know their character, I know they're watching in right now. So I just want to say, Pastor Adam and Pastor Kira, thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your yes. Thank you for coming to the Bay Area with suitcases with nothing to your name to start a move of God that where I can step in and step into this slipstream. And so I just wanted to thank you. I'm better because of your leadership. You've literally changed my life. How many of you are grateful for our senior pastors? Come on, how many of you are grateful for our senior pastors? All right, let's go. All right, as I promised, we're going to get into the word. Psalm chapter 23. Psalm chapter 23. And as you find your place, um, God has really just been convicting my heart that if we really believe the words in this book to be true, that it is written by man, inspired by the Spirit, then what we're about to go through, and if we really believe the words that it says, it will change our lives. Yes. And so come expectant. You guys ready? Psalm chapter 23. You guys find it? Yes. If you guys didn't find it, it's in the Sky Bible right behind me. All right? Psalm chapter 23. The Lord is my, everyone say my, my. shepherd. I shall not want. Whew. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. So he doesn't just take care of my physical, but my spiritual. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely the goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Woo! Church, you are ready. Today, I wanted to um, actually focus on verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And in other translations, it says, I have all that I need. And I get it. It's, it's a bold claim. It's a bold claim to have everything that we want in God. And I, I love you, God, but I have a lot of wants too, right? And, um, but I really believe that God is going to be exposing what it looks like to live fully in Him today. And so today I wanted to preach to you from a subject I'm entitling Burdens and Blessing. And I wanted to ask the question, how do I effectively carry the burden so I can live in the blessing? You guys ready? All right, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here. And you reward the ones that seek you. And God, we're here to say that we're here to seek you, God. God, I pray that uh, would you just use me to communicate your word effectively. I pray that it would fall on good soil. Would I be less and would you be more? I pray that people would not see me on this platform, but they would hear you, that they would hear your voice. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Give some glory to God. Thank you, worship team. And as you find your seats, look at your neighbor. Pick a neighbor and say, neighbor, I'm so glad I'm sitting next to you. Perfect. Now look at your second choice, the one that you... Denied. Look at your second neighbor and say, second neighbor, I'm also so glad I'm sitting next to you. Cool, cool, cool. So once a year, Spotify sends a list to all of their subscribers, a playlist, and it's called your top songs of said year, so of 2022, right? Does anyone know what I'm talking about, right? 
And we share it on our Instagram stories, but the reality is, guys, that no one cares about your playlist. <laughs> no, one, no one except for you cares. Maybe God, but no one except for you cares about your playlist. But it's nice because we listen to these songs, we see the playlist, and it reminds us of where we come through throughout the year, right? Like we hear a song and we're just like, dang, that was our song before he broke my heart. <laughs> or, oh dang, that's, that's that song when I failed that exam. Or that was that song when I did this. It's all negative things. My goodness, I need to work on my points. But similarly, similarly, God also has a favorite Spotify playlist. And it's been written over a millennia. A millennia is over a thousand years. Yes, I had to Google that. And um, it reveals the heart of God. It teaches us how to engage with God and how to worship. And the name of that playlist is The Psalms. And it's a collection of 150 of God's favorite songs. And so within these 150 psalms, there's actually different genres of music. There's songs of praise, there's wisdoms, there's regal prophecies, there's lament, and there's thanksgiving. And Psalm 23 is where we find that, where we find thanksgiving. It's a psalm of thanksgiving and a psalm of trust. And so Psalm 23 is um, arguably one of the most famous psalms. And it's used in pop culture over and over. But in culture, it kind of sounds like this. Yo. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I think about my life and I can't the new my life next and I've been laughing and blasting so long that even my mama thinks that my mind is gone. Alright, cut it. 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 Alright. Alright, alright, alright. <laughs> I just saw like 10 black of members of the congregation just stand up. Thank you so much for supporting me. Thank you so much. I just felt the love. Obviously, my gifting is not in rap or song. I thought I would debut for Pastor Carly, but um, that was not it. Anyways, but all that to say, Kanye West, uh, Tupac, Jay-Z, Eminem, even um, Whitney Houston at her memorial service was using Psalm 23. George Bush uses Psalm 23 when he addressed the nation on September 11th. And where culture gets it wrong is that they think and they misappropriate Psalm 23 as a psalm of lament. A song of um, to come out of a, a season of weariness or of burden. But the reality is, is that it's not a psalm of lament, but of thanksgiving and trust. And I know we have all of these things that we're thankful for, you know. November's coming up in a few, actually it's pretty far away. But November's coming up. <laughs> and it's, I think it's, it's safe to say that we have things that we are thankful for. But have you ever found yourself in a season when you're in the tension between the burden and the blessing? Really quickly, if I, I just want to share a quick little story. Um, exactly two weeks ago, uh, I quit my job to start a recruiting software company. Now, yes, it sounds romantic and all. Um, it's not, first of all. It sounds romantic, but if you know me, I'm actually naturally risk averse. I'm very risk averse, like I enjoy getting paid on the 15th and the 30th. 
I like to stay in the boundaries of what I know. When I go to a restaurant, I order the exact same thing. When I go on vacation, I want to have already gone to the same place before. And so I like to stay in the boundaries of what I know. I don't like spending thousands of dollars on recruiting software equipment that in a company that can potentially fail. And so if God were to leave me on cruise, cruise control, and if I was God's Tesla, I would be risk averse. But two weeks ago, I left my manager, my stable paying job, and uh, great benefits to move in the direction that I believe that the Lord was guiding me or is guiding me. And that Friday, um, I quit my job and we were celebrating some really good friends in Santa Barbara. They're getting married. Shout out to Fran and Justin. They're getting married. So we're celebrating them. And we had, a, we had a graduation the next morning. So we had to leave a little early. And we left around 8. And it's about a four or five hour drive. And so me and my wife were driving. And I was strategic. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to drink a single drop of water. I'm not going to drink a single thing of juice. Because we're not taking any breaks. We're just going straight home. Because our ETA was 1 a.m. We had to wake up by like 7 a.m. So I was like, God, you know I don't do well with, sleep, with little sleep. So we're going, right? And I'm going... I hate saying this, but I was going like 90 to 100 miles per hour, right? I was going 90 to 100, and there was one hour left. One hour left. And someone's just tailgating me like really hard. And you know, there's only two types of people that tailgate you. Angry drivers and the police. <laughs> and all I hear is, whoop, whoop. And I was like, oh, no. No. I pull over to the side of the gravel. I'm like looking all the time that I'm wasting all, all those miles per hour that I'm wasting. And he comes up, you know, he knocks on my window. And he shines the light in my face like that. Ah! He shines the light in my face. And he says, um, do you know why I pulled you over? And in this moment, I had a moment of playing dumb or telling the truth. And so he, he takes my license and my registration. And he takes it to his car and says, wait a second. And I just begin speaking tongue. I was like, bought a Honda, but should have bought a Kia. Right? I start fasting from all the snacks that are in the car. And I'm just like, God! God, please! God, just give me a break, a break, a warning. God, please, just a warning. And he comes back and he tells me, um, because you're honest with me, I'm going to let you off in a break. And I'm just like, thank God. Praise the Lord. And he says, I'm just going to give you a ticket for five miles over the speed limit. And I'm just like, thank you. Thank you so much. It's that tension of being grateful but annoyed, right? And can I go on? I'm not even joking. Fast forward to Wednesday, right? We had a meeting with some brothers here at church. And uh, one of my friends come outside and he's like, yo, um, you got a flat tire. And me being the calm and collective man that I am, I'm just like, I know. I know I have a flat tire. Why are you telling me something I already know? And I go outside and my rims are touching the floor. My rims are literally touching the floor. And I'm just like, God, God, I just got a ticket. And now my flyer's set. Now my tire is flat. What is happening? So I am putting on a spare. I'm putting on a spare, and I'm just thinking, man, this is definitely a couple of hundreds of dollars that I need to be spending on this. And I'm on my way to the dentist appointment. And at the dentist appointment, I can't make this up. I cannot make this up. I'm at the dentist, and my dentist told me, sir, you have eight cavities. And one of your tooth has a big hole in it. It needs a crown. It's going to cost $700 today. And I said, excuse me, does insurance not exist in this house? Like, what is happening? What is happening? What is happening? But I was just like, you know what? Whatever. Thursday comes along. 
Thursday comes along. We are celebrating one of our friends. We're at a Thai restaurant. We're eating yummy food. We're drinking some wine. I was like, man, it's an amazing day. We're such a blessing. We're such a blessing to our community. We walk out, me and my wife, we walk out to the parking lot. And I kid you not, there's glass all over our, our, our car. And I look up, and I wasn't even mad. I just started laughing because I couldn't believe what I was looking at. There's a hole in my window. There's a hole in my window. I get up to the window, and I was like, what did they steal? And I just see my, my wife's purse there. And instead of blaming her, I was just like, you know what? Bless them, right? Bless them. And we opened the, we opened the car, and they stole her laptop. They stole her laptop. In that moment, I'm going to be honest, I, I wasn't too sure what to be grateful for. I was like, God, I'm so grateful that they have a new laptop, I guess. But you know what? It was Brotherhood weekend, and you know we were getting set up, and I was really expecting, and God moved that Brotherhood, where it made everything else just feel like an afterthought, right? And uh, I'm, I'm driving down with one of my really good friends, John, and he steals all of my blessing literally in one sentence. We're driving down, and he says, oh, you haven't read the news, huh? And I was like, John, of course I didn't read the news. I, we're literally, we literally just finished Brotherhood. We're driving down. What do you mean, have I read the news? And he says to me, that he, he begins to tell me that the largest client that I have, the one that I quit my job for, is going on a hiring freeze. And if you know anything about recruiting and hiring freezes, they do not match together. It means zero dollars. So I'm just thinking, God, what is going on? What is happening right now? And I begin to just tell God, God, I don't know if you remember, but I believe it was your idea for me to quit this job. God. God, I was comfortable where I was at, but I believe you were calling me into it. I thought you wanted me to do this. I just want to remind you, God, the 15th is coming up. You see my paycheck, and it's just going down. The 15th is in three days, by the way. <laughs> I've been counting. But it's that tension of dealing with and carrying the burden so and believing for the blessing. Do you find yourself in a season where it's just one burden after the next? And where you're just like, God, I, I love this development plan. <laughs> but I'm not built like Pacquiao or Floyd Mayweather. Like, I cannot take these punches, God. God, look at me, I'm skinny. I can't take these punches. Like, maybe it's in the area of relationship. God, if, if he would just ask me out. God, I'm not even asking for a cute anymore. I, like, ten fingers, nine toes. He breathes. I'll take it. Oh, 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 God. Oh, he's going into a season of singleness? Celibate? Great. Thank you, God. I just need a break. Or maybe it's, I really need this promotion. I've been working really hard. God, I've been tithing for two months. Monica doesn't need this promotion. Her husband is doing great. God, she's not even saved. God, God, she's not even saved. I need this promotion. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, you're going to give it to Monica? Great, great. I just need a break. Or maybe it's your first time here at Vibe Church. It's your first time here at Vibe Church, and you're just like, man, I've heard about Vibe Church. They've been building for 10 years. I just need to hear a word from Pastor Adam, and all of a sudden, Pastor Van says, Ben, come up. Ben, come up. You're just like, oh, no. Who is that? Who is that? He speaks to the youth. I'm not a youth anymore. I just need a break. Have you ever found yourself in the tension between the burden and the blessing? The crazy thing about Psalm 23 is that when David actually wrote it, 
um, he lived a life where he was in the tension between the burden and the blessing, where he has become a king, a giant slayer, the anointed king, but he has also seen his son die. He has also seen Absalom try to kill him, and he had real enemies like the Philistines. And in the middle of it all, he writes Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I have all that I need. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm in a difficult season or a difficult situation, it doesn't look like, God, you are so good. I have all that I want. I have all. It looks like, help, God, do you see me? But if you want to learn how to live in the tension between the burden and the blessing, you first have to ask yourself, who is Lord? And that's the first point. Who is Lord? How many of you believe in the importance of a name? Five people. Thank you. My name is Benjamin, which means uh, favored or son of the right hand, which means, and the right hand represents like authority, status, honor, whatever, right? But it's not about me. It's about God. It's not about me. It's about God. And God has many names. And, and in the Bible, um, when you see L-O-R-D in capital, what it is, it's, re it's referring to the divine name of God, which is Yahweh. Now, he has a couple of names, El Shaddai, El Elyon, Adonai, Elohim, and Yahweh. El Shaddai is used seven times throughout the Bible, which means Almighty. El Elyon is used 28 times, which means Most High God. Adonai is used 434 times, which means Lord and Master. Elohim, 2,000 times, which means Creator. And Yahweh is used over 6,500 times, which means I am. I am the present God, present to help, present to guide. But the first time we see God as Yahweh is actually in Exodus chapter 3. And it's a story where Moses encounters God in the burning bush. And before chapter 3, what actually happens is Moses just murdered an Egyptian. He murdered an Egyptian and he's running away. He runs to Midian and is in a position of a shepherd. And he's guiding a flock towards Mount Sinai where he would eventually receive the Ten Commandments. God does not waste a thing, but that's where he is headed right now. And he encounters this bush that is not being consumed. And the Lord calls out to Moses and tells him to take off his sandals because this is holy ground. And I want you to take in this part really quick. This is how we know Moses is part Asian because he took off his sandals. Anyways, <laughs> he took off his sandals. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. That was selfish. Second service, here we come. But in this conversation, God is calling Moses back to Egypt. He's calling him back to the place where he murdered someone. He's calling him back to the place where he encountered his shame. And Moses is going back and forth with God saying, God, you got the wrong guy. Like, I'm not your guy. I'm not the guy that you're looking for. I am not well equipped. I'm not well in eloquent in speech. God, I'm a shepherd. Like, why do you want to use me? And the crazy thing is, is that Moses' name is a Hebrew verb, which literally means to pull or draw out of the water. And it's a direct reference from when he was a baby and he was drawn out of the Nile. But little did he know, spoiler alert, that he saves the people of Israel by drawing them out of the water. And isn't it crazy how quickly we'll divorce ourselves from our purpose because of misplaced confidence? And so eventually Moses asked, if they ask who this God is, what should I say? And in Exodus verses, or chapter 3, verses 14 to 15, it says this. God said to Moses, 
I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. First of all, that's really confusing. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. And in this moment, Moses has two options. I can make God my Lord and believe who he says I am, that I am Moses, the one that draws or pulls from the water, or I can make my insecurities my Lord, and stay here by this burning bush and write a blog about it. <laughs> who is your Lord? Today, who is your Lord? Who has the affection of your heart? Because sometimes if we're being honest, we have many lords that fight for our affection. Right? Maybe we've made work our Lord. Where we believe in the provision of what, it, what this position provides more than what God is able to provide for us. And it shows, it shows in our generosity, it shows in our tithe, it shows in how we use what God has given us to steward. Maybe we've made relationships our Lord, that we believe that there's something in this person or this person that I'm seeking that I can't receive from God right now. And maybe we even made our addictions or our past our Lord, where we think and we believe that this is just how it's been for my entire life. So these are just chains that I'm just going to live and die with. When the reality is that freedom in Christ is just one step away. And it's just one step towards Him. What do you make your decisions around? Is it the Lord Yahweh or is it something in His place? And the reason why this, this question is so important is because depending on your answer, you can potentially divorce yourself from the purpose that God has called you to. Moses has a decision to make. And in this counter, up to this point, Moses knew about God, but I really believe that in this moment, he knew God. The present tense God, Lord, Yahweh, the I am, the forever present tense God. That means he's available to you 24-7 right now. Like just imagine that for a quick second, that God, the triune God, creator of the heavens and the earth, is in this space right now that I can just stop and just say to God, God, I love you. And he would hear me. That's the type of access that we have to this God. The cost of intimacy is what you choose as Lord. And in Exodus chapter 3 verse 14, when God says, I am or I will be, that really confusing line, what he's actually saying is that his existence does not live on a singular plane, that his existence is not dependent on anything else, that his existence does not fall within our time or our timeline, that it goes above and beyond anything that we can see or that we can imagine. Yet, he chooses to be our shepherd. The infinite God chooses to assume the position of a shepherd. Not as a king, not as a warrior, but as a shepherd. Which brings us to our second word, shepherd. In 2005, uh, there was an article written in Turkey, and it was about sheep. First of all, why are they writing about sheep? But I'm about to tell you. Um, in this article, one of the sheep jumped off a 50-foot cliff and died. But what made the headlines is that after that one sheep jumped off, 1,500 other sheep began to jump off. Oh 
sheep on sheep on sheep, just over the cliff. 500 of the sheep died. A thousand of them lived because they fell on the padded corpses of their fellow sheep. Now, the reason why I share that, I'm not here to argue whether sheep are smart or dumb. That is not why I'm here. We got some farmers in the house. I'm not here to offend you, right? But sheep need direction. Sheep have no defense mechanism. Literally anything with teeth can kill them. An eagle, a bear, a lion, a dog, anything can literally kill them. And because of that, sheep are anxious. Do you guys want to see a picture of what an anxious sheep looks like? Can we just show them really quickly what anxious sheep look like? We are the sheep. The sheep is us. We need a shepherd. We need a good God. All right, take them off. That went a lot better than I thought, thank God. I was, I was a little worried. I was like, God, please don't let them be offended. Sheep need a shepherd. We need a shepherd. And it's only when we try and take blessing on our own terms that we lose sight of the shepherd. In Genesis uh, chapter 3, verse 6, this is the story of Adam and Eve where Eve is about to take up on the fruit. And I'm just paraphrasing here. And he, she says that the tree looked beautiful, that the fruit looked delicious, and that she desired the wisdom that it would provide for her. And so she took some of the fruit. She took some of the fruit. Did you know that it only takes some of the fruit for something to take position of the shepherd? What is that some fruit in your life? Adam and Eve, perfectly designed in abundance, decided to be intimate with wickedness by eating the fruit. And it's not the, the eating of the fruit, but it's what that actually meant. That eating in the fruit meant that I believe that there's something that this fruit can provide me that you're not giving me right now, God. And so what is that some fruit that we're dabbling in? And we brush off small sins because we compare it to other people. And we might put ourselves on a pedestal saying that I'm not like that other person. But sin is sin before God's eyes. And it's what separates us from the presence of God. One thing we can learn from Adam and Eve is that a lot of our self-inflicted burdens come from ceasing our own blessing on our own terms. Now, in Psalm chapter 23, um, this isn't blind poetry because David has assumed many positions in his life and he has been a king, he's been a giant slayer, he's been a naked worship leader, and he has been a shepherd. But across all of those things, he chooses to say that God is like a shepherd. Charles Spurgeon says this, what condescension is this that the infinite Lord assumes towards his people the office and character of a shepherd? In 1 Samuel verse 17, verse 34 to 35 in the ESV, it gives us a picture of what shepherds look like or the heart of God looks like. And it says this, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took the lion from the flock, I went after him, struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if it arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. This is why David in Psalm 23 is able to say that your rod and your staff, they comfort me. A shepherd that not only protects and guides, but a lion and bear killing shepherd. A shepherd who is able to lead us through the valley of shadow and death. 
A shepherd who can take your pain, can take your disappointment, can take your diagnosis. This is a God that we serve. A God that does not shy away from your dysfunction. He sees exactly where you are right now. Not a future version of yourself. Not who you want to be. But looks at you right now and says, yes, I choose that. I choose him. I choose her. That is a good shepherd. That is my shepherd. My shepherd. And that word my is so important because if you think about any leader, whether it's LeBron, Kobe, Curry, or your Gates, Musk, the reality is that any leader would not, would typically not shepherd you, but they would delegate it to someone else to shepherd you. But we have a shepherd. He is my shepherd and he is the Lord. And it's only when the Lord is our shepherd that we can live without want. Now, if I'm being honest, this last phrase was a little difficult for me to wrestle with because I, we live through once and I have a ton of wants. And I did an exercise with God and I just started writing a list of things that I want. And a lot of them were selfish. Some of them were noble. A lot of them were selfish. Don't judge me. We all want a Tesla. We live through our wants. 50% of the world's uh, toys are in America, but we make up 4% of the world's population. Average consumer debt is 7,000 per person, and we have trillions of dollars of credit card debt here in America. One in every four house that you drive by does not have enough space in their garage to fit their cars because they just have so much stuff. What the shepherd does is he frees us from living through wants. And I don't want to over-spiritualize this, but the answer to wanting is not getting, but the answer to wanting is the shepherd. And that doesn't mean that we will never have another want in our life, but what it does mean is that you are satisfied. That whatever comes through me in my life, that whatever happens, that God, I have you, and that's all that I need. That you're all that I need. That you are infinite and that you are complete. And if, you, everything, if I lost everything for the rest of my life because of your grace, because of who you are, I have all that I need. I am complete. I am satisfied. I am content. I shall not want is not what's in my hands, but what's in my heart. Hey, I hope you were blessed by that message. We release new content every single week here at Vive Church. And so if you don't wanna miss any of it, I would encourage you, go ahead and subscribe. Also visit our website, vivechurch.org to stay up to date with everything that's happening in the life of Vive Church. God bless you.